From the Sunshine State, this is Tampa Bay's TAN Talk. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. What is this, Yamati? Some kind of a race? 1,500 miles on the most diabolical of roads. The Monte! The Monte! The Monte! The Monte! The Monte! On the contrary, he hit us. Oh, yes. <laughs> I could just huddle here, no. like, yes. until I just warm up a bit. <laughs> How's that? Is that all right? I'm yes, not crowding you, am I? You are Got enough room? Yeah, yes, terrific. <laughs> Move to the back of the car. What is It's a skier. A daddy rotten cheek. Land there. Not be his best. They'll have to admit she's 
car you can trust. So much smart and car the my suspension. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, this is Wayne Carini from Chasing Classic Cars, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our 500 and some odd shows, don't forget to check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the archive slash podcast page. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? Allow myself to introduce myself. Hello. <laughs> I, I was about to pull a ho 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 Santa thing, but uh, it's still November thirtieth. It's still November thirtieth. We're just getting out of over the turkey thing. Uh, yes, the, the Thanksgiving. I don't like doing it too early. Gobble gobble gobble. gobble. Well, you know, it's driving funny. I was driving around this afternoon a little bit here in sparkling Clearwater in Bel Air, Bel Air Bluffs, Largo, and uh, a lot of Christmas trees lights out already, which is good, because then we're all going to get into the Christmas spirit, which is what we want to do. Anyway, uh, let's see. So, by the way, we got a fun-filled weekend this coming weekend. We have the Gasparilla Concourse this weekend, and that takes place up here in uh, Odessa. I guess that's Odessa, so or Lutz, someplace out there, but it's off Lutz Lake Fern, somewhere. I'm close. I'm close geographically, so I'm kind of narrowing down. So it's south of 54, and it's west of, uh, no, east of, west of, yeah, west of Dale Mabry and east of Gun Highway. How about that? I'm getting pretty good. Anyway, you know, it's a nice country out there. You drive around out there in Odessa and along Keystone, and, and, and we always think of Keystone Road. But I guess the, the community is actually called Keystone as well, from what I understand. It's uh, nice. It's kind of country-like a little bit. You know, it's almost getting like Brooksville and areas like that with some nice curvy country roads. So do we have our guest on the line, Bobby? Yes, we do. We do. Okay, it's time to introduce our first special guest for the evening. This uh, lady and gentleman or couple um, are the founders of the upcoming and spectacular concourse called the Gasparilla Concourse d'Elegance in... Uh, I guess, again, when I said Odessa. Anyway, I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening. Is it Joanne? Joanne, are you with us, Pastores? We are. Hello. Hey, how are you? Is Brando with you as well? Hey, Robert. Yes, I'm here. Oh, good, 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 good. So uh, I, I was kind of like kind of highlighting it a little bit, you know, setting it up. So are you, is it is that actually Odessa or is that Lutz? What is that area actually? Uh, yes, this is Odessa in Lutz. But, you know, um, Odessa is a, is a, is a very, um, for the local people know where the areas are, but if you say Lutz, they, they call it a different place. The actual event is in Lutz at the PPC Golf Course, and right next to Lutz is Odessa, where we live and have our business. Okay, all right. So tell us a little bit about that. Give us a little history on the Gasparilla. Now, this is really, this would have been the third year, but it's actually the second year because last year we couldn't do anything. Yeah, we had that pandemic pause, 
But uh, it was it was fine because you know the the world had to do what the world had to do, and it gave us an extra bit of time to expand and think about what we wanted to do with the growth of the concourse. So we actually changed our minds from staying at the downtown Curtis Dixon Park, which I absolutely loved the venue. It was just beautiful on the river with minarets in downtown Tampa. But it wasn't really conducive to the park. You know, the parking and the downtown traffic and all the things that go with that. It's a beautiful look, but it's not a practical use, especially if you're growing. So from there, we bounced about and forth and decided PPC Golf Course is spacious and somewhere that we could call a forever home so people can start counting on where we're going to be. Okay, now the TPC Country Club, what does TPC stand for? That's actually Tournament Players Club. Okay. It is a PGA Tour um, shop. It is a, a, the same owners of the TPC Tampa Bay Golf Club are the same owners as the Hilton Head Golf, the Concourse is that golf club up in Hilton Head. Oh, interesting, interesting. Now, wait a minute. Is there going to be a connection, a tie-in, or is there going to be like a sister deal here between the Hilton Head and uh, event and you guys, or...? I don't know about what, what happened was when we decided to start this thing, we asked around to some of our friends and people that we had become acquainted with. Uh, Brandon and I went to a lot of concourses and uh, just as visitors and participants. And um, Paul I. Mario started the Hilton Head Concourse, and he was very generous to help us with some advice. Um, for he talked, who obviously did the Lake Mirror Classic in Lakeland. Um, jumped on board with helping us with advice as a mentor. And then we have Tina Nip, who is uh, the um, main person down at Boca Raton and the Boca Raton Concourse, and she is one of our um, organizational committee chairs as well. So that's what we did, is we just tried to make sure that we connected with everybody. And in fact, even with Amelia, we have uh, Mark Becker, and I, I even spoke with the great Mr. Bill Warner earlier this year to talk about how we will grow our conferences. Okay, now, Brando, let me ask you a question. The Historically, the two premier concourse in the United States were, at one point, Pebble Beach and Meadowbrook. Meadowbrook has since evolved into the St. John's or uh, Concourse to America, I believe they call it now. And and around 1996, Amelia kind of came into play. And Amelia has now moved into second, maybe even first place, you know. And my understanding, the original idea of the concourse was for people to show exquisite, amazing, rare, perfectly restored vintage cars. And I'm going to say cars out of the really the golden age of cars, you know, the, the 30s, really and 20s, and these cars were to be judged. And then the concourse, the idea was, is if your car was judged at a concourse and it won an award and then went to another one, let's say it went to Pebble, then went to Amelia, and then to St. John, or Meadowbrook at the time, then it achieved a status and a provenance. So that it was always my understanding with the original concept of a concourse and Villa Desta and some of the stuff that's going on in Europe. So are you, with your event, and let's just say Boca, and let's say um, Hilton Head as well, are you guys going to try to get into that category as well, And you know, as far as cars? Because, like, they'll say, if you've had a car in an event, you, you've had it here, and the car 
can go to another event, but if it's been here, you can't bring it back for, let's say, five years or something like that. There's a duration. So kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Um, well, Robert, yes. You know, we have, to start with, we have um, 30 judges coming from all over the country to be part of this event. This is not just like, you know, um, a quick star show that you decide who is going to be the best. And so that's our first criteria. Okay. We get the best people, and they, they selected, they've been selected to be a first class, the expert on those cars. Because, for instance, we have the 1961 Jagger, uh, which is the first time that they have actually an E-type or SKE. And so we celebrate that with the 50 years. Ten of those cars are going to be at the field. And so we brought in an expert to be judging that car. So if we, as the winner of that category, will feel that he's been, uh, been scrutinized by the best, not just you know, the guy around the corner who's selling Jaguar Park. Right. So that's our first step. The second step is, are we um, on par with the rest? Well, you know, we are still in the beginning stages of a concourse, but we are putting the, our, our, um, our uh, best goals up as far as high as we can to make sure that if we have Victor car to come to our concourse, which has been scrutinized by a committee, that we are trying to make sure that you, as a, as, a, as a public, come to look at our show, that you get the best. Okay, very good. Um, Joanne, tell us a little bit how the venue is going to be. So there's a Friday night event, there's a Saturday, the concourse, and then there's a Sunday event. So give us a little uh, insight as to how each day will proceed. Absolutely. Um, yes, we want to make sure that the whole weekend is fun for all. So Friday night is what we call the Cars in the Park Car Show Cocktail Party in Charity Austin. And we will have approximately 150 cars there that will be fun cars to see. You know, the hot rods, exotics, um, drag racers, uh, even concrete cars that were not quite in concrete condition, but great original and interesting cars, collector cars. So that's Friday night, and there's entertainment, and there's great food. We have something interesting going on with our food, not just a normal fair, and uh, even things are popular. So Friday night's a fun night. Then we have Saturday, the main event. It starts at 9.30 in the morning, and um, we'll have live entertainment. We have our opening ceremonies, which is a vintage train flyover, and we have the E-Mississippi Gasparilla brings their pirates to do the National Anthem Chorus, as well as giving up the beads. We have um, Santa. We have all kinds of interesting things happening. We have a vintage fashion show. We have um, a youth scavenger hunt. We're trying to make sure we include a lot of youth and family, 16 and under or free. And, um, yeah, we're trying to make sure that it's family-friendly and affordable. Um, so that should end up in a red carpet award ceremony at around 2 o'clock. 4 o'clock it'll end with a big bang. And then Sunday is our nickel tour, which is a driving tour to a mystery destination with a lot of prizes at the end of lunch. So what is the, uh, the Sunday event? Does that start at, uh, at your shop, basically? It does. We're about 15 minutes west of TPC Golf Course. So we're starting here. And give them breakfast and give them the, the destination or the, the road rules. And then we end up at a mystery destination, which is a very historic place. 
and uh, it's a good thing. Excellent, excellent. Now, if people want to find out more about the Gasparilla Concourse, Delegance, where do they go, and how do they find out about it, and what does it cost? Well, our website is gasparillaconcourse.com. Um, the Friday night event is $20 per person. The Saturday event is $25 per person. And then Sunday, um, actually, uh, pretty much shows up for that because uh, we had to give catering how many people we have. It was the Sunday tour, we only had about 60 um, cars on it, so I think we're still up for it. But uh, next year, you'll be able to do these three things, and we're going to add another event to it, a driving experience with the new Motor Enclave, which is an interesting track being built in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I've actually got Brad scheduled to come on the show next week. He's going to talk about it a little bit. So I'm looking forward to having him on the show. And uh, that's me. Ma- you know what? There's a lot of stuff happening in Florida. And I want to thank you guys for also contributing to some of those events because for so long, there's just been, you know, a few little private and small events in the state of Florida. But now, finally, we've got some stuff going on on the West Coast. And uh, we're excited about that. And we want to thank you for that. Well, thank you. Robert, you're welcome. And also, I just want to add some people who are going to come on Saturday to the concourse. Uh, they are going to see quite a variety of different things. For instance, there's going to be uh, five motorcycles in sequential years. Chimes, two-team, or any group of grouping of that in the world. That's one example. And then we're going to have one star, 1921 Kenworthy, which is the only one in the world that you will see. So a lot of exciting things that that is not see in a normal process. That's excellent. That's something to look forward to. That's really great. How many cars total are going to be on the show field on Saturday? Uh, there's going to be show cars on this study. There's going to be a display of 27, and, and then we have 12 motorcycles, and um, and we have an ice cream truck. Oh, the ice cream truck! Yes, ice cream. <laughs> You remember that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> right, he's back. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, him and I became pretty good buddies. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Joanne and uh, Brando, I want to thank you very much for coming on Nostalgic Radio and Cars and hanging out with us and sharing uh, all this good stuff and fun stuff that's going to happen this weekend at the Gasparilla Concourse. I wish you guys the best of luck, and I will be there to partake in this amazing thank event. You. Thank you very much, Robert. We're looking forward to see you. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Gasparilla Concourse de Allegance this Saturday at the TPC Country Club in Lutz. Did I say that right, Bobby? That would be correct. That would be correct. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and uh, fire up the stereo. Yeah, let's do that. Now, what's going on this weekend real quick? Let me share a few little things. Let's see. Uh, last weekend was a turkey rod run, which we didn't go to because we were too busy turking around ourselves. Right, Bobby? Eating Working turkey. on some eating turkey. Yeah. Oh. And, and, and trying to fix Watching some, turkeys. And watching turkeys and fixing some flat tires and dead batteries and all that other good stuff. But at any rate, but this weekend is on Sunday also uh, for you swap me junkies like myself. Um, is the Sumter County Fairgrounds, which is now, I just found out recently, was taken over by the group from Moultrie. So it should be on the way up, and it should turn into a pretty good event like it used to be back in the good old days. In the meantime, I think Bobby's going to fire a little America up on the uh, turntable, and we're going to do a little, we're going to revisit California. California Revisited is the title of this song, and Don't Touch That Dial will be right back with our next special guest for the evening. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
This is McKeel Haggerty, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So get out there and keep driving all those cool cars. Okay, we're back. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is the Concourse Event Director for Haggerty. I'm delighted to welcome to the show for the first time, and probably more often, Matt Orendak. Matt, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Pretty good. So uh, you're you just happen to be in Amelia this weekend. So how about or this week? So uh, that's pretty cool up there. At uh, we were just talking about that because we had uh, Joanne and uh, Brando Pastoris on, and they're doing the uh, Gasparilla Concourse d'Elegance this weekend. So yeah, it's, it's it's great to be down here. So tell us a little bit about uh, give us a little background on yourself a little bit. You're a car guy. You're kind of you come from the insurance industry. You've been with Haggerty for a while. So Share uh, share the stories of uh, Matt with us. So I started about 30 years in the, uh, ago in the hobby, and I had uh, worked for a uh, competitor, actually, of Haggerty. And all I've ever known is the car hobby. So over the last 30 years, uh, not only have I been an entrant, uh, but a sponsor. I've been a judge. I've uh, run a couple events, and I've also been the chairman of the selection committee for several events. In the meantime, I was ensuring some of the greatest collections in the country, anywhere from one car to uh, somebody with $200 million worth of cars. So it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun, and it's really unique, and, and quite honestly, it doesn't seem like work. <laughs> no, the, as the saying goes, if you do something you enjoy, it's not work. That's yeah, true. It's really it's really funny. Uh, I had an uncle who was in the insurance, you know, standard insurance business, and he pulled me aside when I was younger and said, you know, it's, it's time you grew up and stop playing with those cars and, and come into the real world and get a real job. And I said, look, I have a smile on my face. I don't care how much I make. Don't say that's my boss. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, exactly what you said. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. So when you got out of high school, when you were in high school and you turned 16, and of course this is a standard question, we always have to ask this, what was your first car? Uh, I hate to admit it, but I had a 1977 Buick Century Limited with crushed red velvet uh, seats, and it had uh, electric everything, and it was one of the last V8s. 
super fast, super comfortable, but it was like, I, I thought I was Mr. Cool when I had that car. Well, that's a living room on wheels is what that is, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, crushed velvet. You're talking right out of the 70s. You're talking, uh, oh, I don't know, what was it, uh, white bell button? No, no, we, we, we were at uh, leisure suits, I think. That was the leisure suit period, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, see, I was a uh, rock and roll guy, so I was still in the jeans and T-shirts and drinking a beer and eating pizza. So I didn't do too much of the disco thing, although my wife did, and we're still married, so what can I say? But at any rate, okay, so you had the Buick. Um, prior to that, anybody in your family have uh, any automotive influence over you? Any of your aunts, uncles, brothers, cousins, nieces, nephews, anybody like that that you kind of piled around with, friends, neighborhood, kids, that kind of were tinkering with cars that kind of got you interested? Well, my mom always told the story when I was two years old, the next-door neighbor uh her husband had passed away, and uh, many years later, she was dating a, a guy, and apparently I came up to her and I said, uh, uh, Mrs. Farewell, uh, are you going to marry that guy? And she said, why do you say that? And I said, well, he's got a Cadillac. He definitely should. So oh! I was already aware. Well, now, that's interesting yeah. you mentioned that. You, hit, you touched on two things, luxury cars. You touched on the Caddy. And the Buick Limited, which is basically a deuce and a quarter, Electra 225, whatever you want to call it. But interestingly enough, when I was a kid, I was either real heavy into sports cars or I liked Lincolns. And my goal in high school, and if Chris Dunn's Lincoln, uh, listening, he'll know because that's Chris at Lincolnland, who actually got me to go to the very first Concourse d'Elegance up at Amelia Island. And that was back in 19, no, yeah, two, 1997, 98 when Lincoln was one of the feature cars. So Chris and I are still good friends. But in high school, I wanted to have a 69 or 67 Lincoln Continental convertible, and I was going to convert it to a four-speed. What do you think of that? Well, you're, you're, you're in perfect timing, too, with Lincoln being one of the anniversaries this year for a lot of events, including Amelia Island. You know what they left out this year? I, I, maybe I skipped it, but, you know, it's the 60-year anniversary of Jaguar. I thought they would have had a Jaguar exhibition there. Now, con, uh, some places are doing it. Um, I'm kind of a sports car kind of guy, so I like Jags, Heelys. My first car was an MK3 3000 Heely, a beat-up piece of doo-doo, um, which I bought December 1st, 1972, which would be tomorrow. So tomorrow would be and tomorrow would be 50 years. Wow. Wow. In fact, I got my driver's license on October, I turned 2016 on October 23rd, which was a Saturday. On a Monday on the 25th, right after school, on the 25th, I got my driver's license. So I remember that to the date, right after school. Couldn't wait to get there. And it was in a, of all things, I'm a Ford guy, but I borrowed my friend's girlfriend's Camaro. But it was pretty cool. It was an RS car. So it was, Isn't it, you're, you're definitely a car guy, because most car guys, there's a couple things. One, they always remember any dates, anniversaries, or times in their life based on a car yep. or people who own cars. Um, you can always tell a car guy, too, when he went to the 80s and you had all the poster cars with the Lamborghinis. Yep. They never tell you. They couldn't remember what, what the color of the bikini that the girl wore, but they remember the car, right? That's the car guy. That's the black Countach and, uh, and the Porsche Turbo and the white Testarossa and the... And the whole Miami Vice scene that was going on back in those days. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Matt, tell us a little. Now, so when did you um, when did you join um, Haggerty? And when you first signed up with Haggerty, what was what were your duties and your responsibilities and your basically your job position? Well, I worked for a competitor, as I said, and I was actually very friendly with the 
Haggerty family, I would see them at events and we'd always talk. Because, like, my boss had always said, there's enough room for everyone. So it was more of a car community. It wasn't a rivalry. Mm -hmm. So we would hang out, sometimes go out to lunch or dinner. And and over the years, um, we had an opportunity to to converse and get to know each other. And when the company I worked for uh, was sold, they reached out and I ended up joining them 11 years ago. And uh, it's been great because I always looked up to them and respected what they did, and I continue to do that. And, and I came to Haggerty specifically for McKeel Haggerty because he was just such a, uh, a strong, magnetic personality, and I knew he was leading a company into great things. So that's why I joined. Well, now, are, what state are you from? I mean, do you, because they're based out of Traverse City, Michigan. Do you have a Michigan connection? So, no, I don't, and you can tell by my wonderful accent that I'm uh, a Philly guy. I actually live in New Jersey. <laughs> okay. So, and, yeah, it was, it, it, it's a different world. When I first went to Michigan, you know, I had my hand on my wallet because I'm like, these people can't all be that nice. And it, <laughs> it was true. They were really nice, and, you know, being from the East Coast, we're a little more protective, and we think somebody's up to something. So, uh, you know, it took a little bit of uh, time for me to kind of relax around everybody, you know? Now... When they use the term client services, what does that mean? Define, explain what client services mean when you're in charge of client services. Is that basically a sales rep, or is that a what is that? Is it a specific title, or how does that work? So pri- private client services uh, always took care of, of kind of the larger collection, just the larger total insured value. Okay. So when I came in to Haggerty, I was brought in because I had known many of the people. I mean, I I had been traveling. At one point, I was doing thirty-five to forty-two car events a year for like 15 years with a competitor and so when i joined haggerty i already had uh, a reputation of knowing a lot of people and being at a lot of events oh okay tell us about some of the now i was told that by a haggerty rep that the east coast west coast of florida has and i'm hoping i'm guessing it doesn't include the revs institute but Outside of the Revs Institute, the west coast of Florida, for the state of Florida, has the largest amount of, I don't want to say, I don't know how to say this right, but um, priciest cars, priciest car collections, happen for the, by, by, by Florida standards, happen to be on the west coast. I'm presuming probably the Sarasota area, because there's a lot of amazing cars in the Sarasota area. Notwithstanding that there's, you know, cars in Jacksonville, there's cars in Vero, there's cars in South Florida, mostly exotics and stuff like that. But in terms of collector cars, your market, is is, is there some truth to that? Well, you know, there's, there's a little bit in those numbers with people that are from Connecticut, Massachusetts, okay. New York, Philadelphia, New Jersey, and they have homes down in Florida as well. So they may bring, you know, from a tax standpoint, I know in the in the Northeast it's a little bit uh, more cumbersome, so it, it may be a little bit easier. So th- those numbers might be a little bit skewed, but uh, certainly there's some phenomenal collections down in, in Florida. Well, it's, and I was amazed at that because I used to joke with the front. See, my home state's California, so, you know, obviously California, and, and aside from the whacked-out politics, from a car culture, California's pretty serious, okay? So, and I'm from Northern Cal. And I know there's some amazing collections up there because I've been into some of those in the northern part. In the southern car side, I know there's a whole bunch of them down there, too, and I have a lot of friends that have cars. And But I never really grasped the concept. And I used to work for Hollywood Wheels 
and we did the auction uh, up at the Omni um, many, many years ago. Actually, I think we did it 2015, 16, 17, and maybe even 2018. And uh, I was just amazed at the amount of classic car collections, private collections, hush, hush, private collections in the state of Florida. It actually flabbergasted me. Yeah, you know what? That's like that everywhere. Um, I would say, especially on the West Coast, there's a lot of people that are very private. Uh, you can, in, in the Northeast, you know, if you've seen the Sopranos and you see the warehouses, and, you know, from the outside, it looks like a rundown area, and there could be an incredible collection there. And that's that's all the way up and down the uh, East Coast there. But uh, in the, in California, they either show, they have a Taj Mahal garage, or it's a private separated area in which they, they keep their collection. Tell it, can you share with us about some of the amazing car collections that you've seen? I mean, some of the cars you want, you want is there a few out there that, that just like, just to this day, just have impressed you to the point of unbelief and that you'd be willing to share with us and tell us about some of those cars? Well, obviously being private client, we can't get into a, a lot of those, but I can say the ones that you see on TV or, or that you may know about, a lot of them are museums now. The Miles Collier collection with the Revs Institute. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a just it, it, it's worth one time in your life to go see that. It's it's incredible. They've just put together one of the greatest collections ever. Um, Fred Simeone, one of the most famous neurosurgeons, uh, he's written many books on the stewardship of the automobile. He's in Philadelphia, and in fact, Bill Warner is going to be presenting the Spirit of Competition Award. Um, that is given out by the Simeon Museum to Brian Redman, famous racer, uh-huh. uh, tomorrow night. Oh, really? Yeah. And now, is that going to take place at Amelia, or is it going to take place up at uh, Fred's place, uh, Simeon's um, Museum up in, um, in in Pennsylvania? Yeah, it's, it's going to be up at uh, Fred's place. And, you know, if you go to Fred's place, it, it seems, you know, it's uh, by the airport. But when you go into that museum, you're astonished. It's not a car that was like the car that... With Juan Lamont, it was the car, or the Bugatti tank, and some of the famous cars is Fred and Augie Duesenberg, their original uh, race cars and everything. I mean, it's it's just something to behold. Yeah, I, I I live close. I'm about thirty minutes, and I never get tired of going to visit that collection. Well, one of the cars, and I know it was very controversial, but he has uh, the Cobra Daytona Coupe that was owned by Phil Spector, I believe, at one point in time, which the girl had the, the that he gave to his his housekeeper, and then the daughter inherited the car, and then it was stored in a in a little mini storage unit for for years and years. I know Pete Brock's a real good friend of mine. Pete knew about the car. I had heard about the car. A lot of well known people knew about the car, but she would never come off the car, and the car just went up and up and up and up and up. I mean, people have known about the car since the seventies. And I think it wasn't until, what, sometime in the 90s when Fred was able to... That's the car that Fred acquired, wasn't it? Yes, it is. And and Pete, uh, wonderful guy, by the way. I agree with you 100%. And uh, he's uh, one of our judges at Amelia Island. Um, he he did a whole series of uh, some YouTube and some, some interviews and everything in front of the car. And, and, and uh, it, he's just wonderful. And, and he tells the whole story about the car. That's the one I believe was a Bonneville soft flat car. That was a, um, set up for to run up there for a while first, wasn't it? A test car. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was always yeah, joking right. with Pete. I said the car's aluminum, and it had all that salt caked on it, and then it was washed off, and then somehow Spectre got the car, 
and he drove it around for a while, and then like you know the rest is history basically. But uh, it's amazing that the car survived the test of time, so to speak. And from what I understand, it's still in that original state, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And and Fred likes to keep the cars or find the cars that are in that original state. And he does something that most museums don't do is he has a weekend uh, event where he will have one or two of the cars bring them out back, and they'll drive them around. They actually have these cars regularly um, driven. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I think he's got a YouTube channel because I've seen it on YouTube a, a number of times, which I think is fantastic, which is actually in line with what McKeel's wanting to do with all the his young, youthful driver programs that he's instigating. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I'm a big fan of everything he's done with the uh, youth driving and, and also the youth judging over the years. I mean, I have five kids myself between 20 and 13, and I think it's great what McKeel's doing, and I, I'm one of the biggest proponents of it, and I have been for years. Now, why don't you share a little bit, elaborate a little bit on that program? How exactly does it work, and how widespread is it in the United States? In fact, Tabitha, uh, one of the girls that works for, I interviewed her a long time ago, but Tabitha is kind of involved in a youth judging program as well. But tell us a little bit about the youth driving program and then the youth judging program, because you're involved in that as well. Right. So Haggerty does this at a lot of events and at different museums and different places where what they'll do is have like a ride and drive and they'll have people bring out anything from a Model A all the way up to, uh, you know, some of the muscle cars and everything in between Volkswagen bands, you know, everything you can imagine. And the kids get to like from 15 on up, get a chance to drive these cars. And it's amazing. They usually... Uh, you know, they're blown away, and, and a lot of the adults stand by the side and say, geez, I wish I could drive that car. And, and McKeel has a split-window Corvette that he lends, and a lot of the cars are cars that McKeel has purchased, and, and he lends them to be used for this. So they do it every year at Amelia Island. They usually bring down four to six cars, and people will sign up, and they get an opportunity to drive a stick shift that, you know, they don't get the opportunity or an automatic of a specific car. And it kind of gets them excited about the hobby uh the other thing is the youth judging so anywhere where there's a concourse or a car show where there's judging they'll have kids anywhere from the age of six up to 14 and they'll teach them about judging and they'll have them come around and they'll get some of the uh, collectors who are showing their cars and the kids just love it they get a chance to interact with the owners and kind of build that love of the automobile and and the whole hobby so, all right, so now tell us, the, the is, is there a real concern about the younger generation, you know, the next generation is going to kind of pick up where we left off? I mean, and I know that's a real push for Haggerty, and they're doing a sensational job with it, but how, 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 much, how much positive feedback are you experiencing already? I mean, what, what kind of, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, what, is, it, it's a, is it working? Oh, it absolutely is. Um, you know, we, we always look at the, the next generation, um, whether it's, you know, people who had Model A's. If you went to Hershey, uh, Fall Hershey was the big swap meet mm-hmm. years in Pennsylvania. And for, you know, Model A's were in. And then it was the Chevy Bel Airs and the, uh, the Cadillacs. And, you know, you had, then you went to the Mustangs and the Corvettes. And every generation's like, oh, nobody's going to be involved in this. And certainly... Uh, the baby boomers, there was a lot more manufactured during those years, so there was a lot more of those cars. 
But as we move forward, kids are involved with the Gran Turismo and the video games. Mm -hmm. And kids will do their own version of it. They may like uh, the Gateway Bronco, uh, where they, you know, and and Singer Porsche, where they they modify some of these cars. And, you know, the kids kids today will either want it to be original or they're going to do it the way they want, just like during the 90s when the street rods were were everywhere and you had the good guys and then the NSRA were were everywhere in these shows. You would would it be fair to say that the the youth today do they do they understand the historical significance of 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 what we're trying to convey to them? In other words, you know, this the cars are his are a piece of rolling art, and they're also a piece of mechanical history. So, like for example, you and I were talking earlier. You have a, a real interest in the '30s cars. I've actually, you know, I'm kind of like, all right, I've always been around '60s, '70s cars, '50s cars, stuff, you know. But now I'm kind of like saying, you know, I've been around these for a while. I'm looking for something different. So now I'm taking an interest in these '30s cars, and one that I've always liked is is let's say like a 41, 40, 41 Lincoln Continental. I think that's a pretty car. But I also like the early Cords, coffin nose Cords, the 36s, 37s. I like the the Duesenbergs. There's nothing is is more fabulous than a than a doozy. Um, the European Mercedes Benzes, um, Auburns, Cords, uh, an L29 Cord. I think it's an outstanding car. Model A's, Model T's, early Chevrolets, early V8s. All that kind of stuff. Do the kids understand the significance? I mean, is that part of the, the their learning program? Did you educate them as well? Well, we certainly try to educate them um, in a in a way that we entertain them as well, uh, and kind of put a different slant on it. I mean, concours, uh, some of the bigger events for years, had kind of become stuffy, elite, and boring, and we're trying to make them cool, inclusive, and fun. Okay. So by engaging with the, the kids, educate educating them and entertaining them you can influence them uh uh, to get involved in the hobby and and again it's going to be their own slant on it uh i would say that you know just like you can with wikipedia where when i was growing up you you learn from somebody else or maybe you went to the library or some of the manuals or you know you went to events that's that's how you learn now at the fingertips kids can learn an incredible amount and uh, I, I just did the Greenwich Concours uh, where I was the event director, and we had QR codes where you're looking at the car, but you can get a lot more detail in a split second, including detailed photographs, and it, then you might want to pursue it further and learn more about some of these cars. But the, the amount of information that kids today can get at their fingertips uh, makes them much more informed than we ever were. What works best? What's more effective on the kids, the driving events or the static shows? I, I think a combination of both. Okay. Just like everybody is uh, learns differently, whether it's auditory, visual, or kinesthetic, everybody's different. Sometimes they have to drive the car, and that's how they learn. Or they have to hear the car or hear people talk about it. Or they have to see it, and they look at the curves, and they look at the colors, and they look at you know the design. You know, it's different for everybody. What about what? Are you, what are your thoughts on vocation in school? You know, whether if they bring back, you know, we were talking about automotive. I had automotive when I was in school. We had electronics in school. We had wood shop in school. We had all that kind of stuff. Are is there any push on the Haggerty side to try to implement those programs back in schools? Certainly, uh, through our Haggerty uh, Drivers Foundation and and through a lot of different things that we've done over the years, we've supported. Uh, 
the education like a McPherson College and some of the high school programs to bring shop back. So we've continued to try to uh, support those programs in which kids are learning how to fix some of the older cars so that there is somebody around to do that. What about, um, and, and, and more to your side again, though, so in, in your garage at home, what do you have that you're working on? What is, uh, like, one of your projects you've got? You've got five kids ranging from, what you say, 13 to 20? So are they taking an interest in Dad's hobby? So they have a different view on it. I mean, they love to get out there and drive the cars. Um, my one son is a gamer, so he loves a lot of the games that have cars, and that's how he got into Lamborghinis. Uh, it's different for all of them. They, they, they love the YouTube videos that show all the the cool cars speeding around. Um, in my garage right now, I'm just trying to clean it out so I can get a car. In <laughs> so much crap. But, you know, I always like to say I have the largest collection around, and I keep it in all the garages in the world. And it's cool because I get a chance to drive a lot of other people's cars and get to be around cars. I, I, I'm pretty much travel so much that I don't get a chance, like, like the uh, construction guy who never gets to work on his own house, I'm so busy with other people's cars, I, I would never have time for my own. Okay, now let's jump back up a little bit. Let's circle around and let's talk a little bit about the uh, concourse event director. So your duties and responsibilities are what? So a concourse event director, um, you, you know, years ago they used to have, like, the chairman of the concourse, mm-hmm. Warner, um, you know, someone who, who headed it up, or you had your chief judge. A concourse event director is really the guy or the woman who runs the event from a standpoint that coordinates all the different facets, whether it be the hospitality part with uh, the dinners and, and all the, uh, uh, the the different concessions, etc. But it also is overseeing car selection, overseeing the entrance and the judges and everybody. So, you know, um, there, there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. You have sponsorship. Um, we do have a large team, so it's just not me, and it's impossible to have one person. Uh, you just definitely, t- in today's world, couldn't have one person. So we have a huge team of people that a Comcore has a little bit of everything. There's a lot of communication. There's PR. Uh, there's programming. So we had a Jumbotron at the uh, um, Greenwich Concourse. So uh, just overseeing all the people that make up the different committees and teams and volunteers to put on an event, that's what an event director does. Okay. Now, is there going to be the since you just Haggerty's actually stepped up and acquired Amelia, St. John's basically, um, and Greenwich? What's in the future? Is this going to be a is this a tr- going to be a trend? So, so one of the things we've done is help preserve these events mm-hmm. as they grow and get bigger. We're digitizing not only the ticketing but the submission programs and, and giving the opportunity to move it forward and evolve it into the and integrate these electronic pieces, um, which is really important today to be able to run it. You can't, it's, uh, I should say, it's very difficult to run everything manually, uh, to have 700 volunteers or, or however many volunteers some of these events have. It's a lot easier to uh, support it digitally. Um, and, and this way... You can have these events move forward. It's a, it's a lot easier to get communication to everybody. And and not just those three concours that, that, that you mentioned, uh, Greenwich, the Amelia Concours, and also um, 
Concord of America, which is the one in the Midwest, which is going to be in Detroit, by the way. Okay. Um, we also have the California Melee, which is a incredible rally that is on the California, uh, the best driving roads on the coast. Uh, and we also have the uh, McCall's Jet Center Party, uh, which is the motor revival that, that occurs Pebble Beach Week at the uh, Monterey Airport uh, as well. So th- those are some, you know, different events that we have that we're trying to evolve. Uh, you know, we're trying to figure out, like, okay, what are we going to do? Where these events are going to be? That's the question we ask in the next five years. And we're trying to support that moving forward. Well, I've got to tell you, and you just you just mentioned McCall's Motorsports Revival there, um, and 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 um, Gordon McCall's a friend of mine, and I will tell you that you have the finest inventory of events, motoring events, in your little portfolio, bar none. I've got to tell you that. Uh, and and Hand and 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 McKeel and you and the team and Chris and everybody, you guys just you have no idea how lucky you are. You really are. I I I, I just I'm I'm amazed. And you've you've done it. You, you're you're on the way. I'm so grateful to be part of this. Um, I know you're at a an event and you have to step back inside. But uh, Matt, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We truly, truly enjoyed it. We enjoyed having you on. We look forward to having you on again, uh, probably just before some of the other events. We always do like a, a, a preload, an introduction type deal before any of these major events. And Bill Warner's always been on our show every time. Uh, we always have somebody on from Pebble Beach. Um, and in the past and any other major events, and we look forward to having you back as well. And we wish you and the whole Haggerty family the best of luck. And, and just, you know, like uh, McKeel said, just get out there and drive those cars. Have fun. Let's keep it going, man. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for having me on. All right. Well, thank you, Matt. I want to thank my special guest back, Ornak, Orndak, uh, the Concourse Event Director for Haggerty, right? That's, that's a simple title, right? It's the easiest way. Okay. Well, you uh, enjoy your dinner, and uh, we'll be in touch. And, again, thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. We appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, don't forget to check out uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network. Yes, you can hear us talk about all kinds of stuff. We're only, not only in the cars, we're in music. we got some musical guests lined up for the rest of the year, too, a couple more, and some automotive guys. And don't forget, this weekend, the Gasparilla Concourse at the TPC Country Club in Lutz. Right, Bobby? Did I get that? So don't forget to check out Gasparilla.com. Gasparilla Concourse, DeElegance.com. One of these days I'll get that kind of stuff right, that social media stuff, right, Bobby? Anyway, um, well, here's a little Doors. Well, we're, we're, and let me tell you something. I've re, I, you know, we played the, that one song from uh, America. It's called California Revisited. And not just because it's my home state and I yearn for California, except for the politics. But uh, the state is an absolutely amazing state. Tons and tons and tons of cars. But we've actually reached out to uh, Jerry Beckley and Dewey Burnell of America. So with a little luck, we might get these guys coming on the show. We've got uh, maybe Tommy, Je- Tommy James and Shondells lined up. Uh, Danny Hutton from Three Dog Night. We're working on him. We've uh, one of these days we'll get lucky. We'll get Robbie Krieger on the show, you know. So, but having said that, Bobby, any last words? Anything you want to share with uh, our audience? And uh, any shout-outs or anything like that? Just get to the Rib Shack Barbecue. It'll be open nice and 
Night, open and smoking tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> open and smoking tomorrow. Hey, I like that. That's pretty good. Okay. And our Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. And uh, don't forget to tell all your friends. Just tune in every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on Tantalk Radio Network here. And check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe. Drive carefully. Definitely drive. Drive carefully and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.